Hello, and welcome to Rich Text. Uh, I'm Claire. And I'm Emma. And today we are going to be discussing a show we've been watching. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called Sex Life. Slash Um, Life. It's sort of a double entendre. It's like sex life, but also like sex versus life, you know? They are separate things. Mm. That's what we learn. Exactly. And I apologize up front if I'm a little shaken. I just saw for the first time (laughs) a crucial scene of full frontal nudity that I had somehow missed while taking notes during my first watch through. And I may never recover. I don't know (laughs) if you haven't seen this uh, scene in episode three of Sex Life. I'd definitely check it out. It's you'll never be the same. Startling. Um, I casually mentioned this scene as like an obviously pivotal moment that we needed to discuss. And Claire, who has (laughs) watched six episodes, whatever are you talking about? So I made frontal. There's none of that in this show, I don't think. (laughs) I made her just now while I was watching on Zoom go watch the show. And let me tell you, I understand that TikTok challenge. I should have been taping it. Claire's reaction was unreal, unbelievable, (laughs) full gasp. It was just fantastic. So now she's properly caught up. Um, I don't think we could have taped this podcast Uh, without viewing that uh, crucial scene. It's like whenever I close my eyes now, I just see (laughs) a wall of flesh, a wall of flesh, (laughs) like an elephant trunk, just like swinging gently back and forth. Oh God, I'm not, I'm not okay. Uh, oh God, heads okay. Up, uh, to any of our family members who might listen to the podcast, uh, we are going to be recapping a show that is extremely uh, porny. And if uh, if you're like my stepmom or my brother, and you loyally listen to this show, I would Anyone really suggest related that you to not. us really <laughs> in any capacity. There's yeah. If you if you haven't gleaned from the discussion of flesh walls um it's it's just gonna it's going downhill from here okay so for for the uninitiated who haven't perhaps seen this show you might have seen it pop up on your netflix queue and and might have thought what the fuck is this this looks very menacing why should i watch it well don't worry we have (laughs) and we are here to recap it for you today we're going to be talking about the first half of sex life And the overall premise of this show is that it centers on a woman named Billy, played by Sarah Shahi, who used to be wild Mm. and live in New York City. She had a big life, a big sparkly life. A big sparkly life that mostly, from what I can glean, took place between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m., and but she was also getting her PhD at Columbia in psychology because mm-hmm. she never slept, I guess. And she in the <laughs> in the years since that sparkly life has moved to Connecticut, gotten married to a very lovely and hot but sort of straight laced man who isn't aware of her wild escapades of her youth and has had two children Yes. Uh, and now she is sort of going through a crisis where she is thinking a lot about the sex she used to have, specifically with a major ex-boyfriend of hers 
named Brad. 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 Sexy, sexy Australian record label executive Brad. Um, Yeah. So Billy is basically postpartum. I mean, she has like a two month old and she has a preschooler um, and she's a stay at home mom. Currently she gave up her PhD when she married her husband who has works at a hedge fund uh, changing the world through money. He, because he's (laughs) one of the good guys and um, which they tell you explicitly (laughs) they're like, don't worry. He's both fabulously wealthy and good. And who can good. say why he's good? But he's he's just good. He's good because he changes the world because he's good. And he invested in a 3D printer once. He's very good. Listen, that 3D printer is going to print livers for everyone across everyone. the world who ever needs a, a liver. So I don't know what you're being so dismissive about. Um, but being this sort of stay-at-home mom to a tiny baby and a preschooler apparently leaves her like an enormous amount of time to just lie awake at night thinking about having sex with Brad or dash into the city to accidentally run into Brad or write in her journal about how Brad used to just throw her into the subway tunnel and make love to her as the train rushes past. As someone who lives in New York City, that was very frightening to me. Like there's nowhere I'd less want to have sex than in like the rat infested tunnel next to like the third rail. (laughs) I can't imagine why it's so exciting. (laughs) The, uh, this show is, uh, I would say skin and maxi, like it's, it's soft core. There's so much sex in it. The plot is almost incidental. It's thin at best. The character development is, there's a light touch on the character development, I would say (laughs) almost unnoticeable. Um, But, you know, as much as I enjoy something that has plenty of, of good porny sex, you know, for fun, it's not a fun show. I, this was my first bit. Like I actually started watching the show when I had a preview of it and my Netflix preview queue like a month ago and I, I didn't finish the first episode because it wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> Did you find this to be fun to watch? Okay, so I had actually resisted watching it because just the preview of, of it struck me as like very menacing in a way that, mm. you know, I just haven't been drawn to that kind of content. Like I, I also just like want to watch things that are fun and pleasurable. And so I was very like not, excited to start watching it once I did decide to watch it because we were like we're gonna recap this it feels like a thing people are talking about um I've been able to to go through the series fairly quickly and I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would but like it feels like it should be more fun than it is and right. I like how do you the, that's the weird part is like it's the lighting is very dark the music feels very menacing. All of the characters feel like vaguely menacing. <laughs> and so it makes the sex feel a little, yeah, a little less fun. And you're like, sex is yeah. fun. It's like, I'm very ominous. Like everything about the show, I think you said to me earlier, 
like everyone on the show lives in a cave. Like there's never any natural <laughs> light when they are having sex. It's always like to uh, firelight, which sure, but like, or flashing red and blue lights, like emergency sirens. Like there's always a very strong sense of like danger peril. during yeah, the sex. And I get that. Yeah. And I think that this is supposed to sort of indicate that there was emotional danger for her during this time that like these guys didn't treat her well, including Brad before she settled down with her nice husband, but it's like, calm down. Like she had some bad relationships. Honestly, the tone to me, the grim lighting, the score is like these ominous, this ominous swelling, uh, you know, mostly orchestral music, you know, and the tone of her voiceover, which apparently is a journal entry she's writing in a word doc. Uh, we discover it, it does is, really almost feel like the handmaid's tale. <laughs> it does. It sounds like she's narrating what life was like before some cataclysmic event, like wiped out 90% of human life or like before she had a psychotic break and killed everyone else in the story with a pickaxe. Like you're just like waiting for something genuinely, truly horrifying to happen, but it's really just like she had amazing sex with some guys who turned out to not be very good at commitment. And as bad as I'm sure that felt, the tone being so uh, closely akin to that of like a horror movie or maybe a, a, a suspense uh, thriller or something, it's it feels a little bit like a disjuncture. It doesn't quite make sense. It fills me with the wrong feeling, which is, oh God, oh God, oh God, something terrible is about to happen. Right. And I think that there is like, there is a way in which, you know, danger and risk can be genuinely exciting and sexy and that can feed into, you know, great sex. I, mm-hmm. I and So I think that that is a real dynamic. And I also think that there is a real dynamic, which is like people who experience a sense of like profound alienation from their sense of self after they get married or have kids or and are in perhaps a relationship that like they don't feel fully seen. But because we have no character development mm-hmm. paired with this extremely menacing, ominous, like <laughs> tonal cues all around, it's like, it's like they it's could an have, apocalypse movie. Right. Like they could have bridged that gap with character development and they yeah. didn't. And I so think it that just this feels is weird. One of the it, the show overall just feels like unbalanced. Like you kind of see what they were going for, but they didn't nail it. You know, yeah. they went too far with the menacing. Um and too light on the character development. Also, this is like a tiny thing, but it drove me absolutely bananas the whole time and is still driving me bananas because I'm not done watching the show. Have you noticed that whenever a character like touches their face, it is so loud. It's like they're slapping their face. I played it for Greg and he was like, oh yeah, I see what you mean. Oh like, my God, Billy will I like put notice. her hand to her mouth and you'll hear like an audible like clapping noise. And I'm like, I don't, that's not how skin works. Like she's just gently putting her hand to her mouth. We don't need to hear it as like across the room. And it was just one of those little things where I was just like, it created this palpable sense of anxiety in me. You know what I mean? Like that feeling that's like something's off. Like the world shouldn't feel like this. Yeah. I think, I think it is an anxious show and that bothered me because that inherently makes it less fun to watch. 
And I think, you know, understandably, there is this, there is this central tension that is anxiety provoking in the show, which is that like, again, that sense of alienation, she feels this sort of like emotional danger that is she going to take her fantasies a step too far and destroy, you know, perhaps multiple relationships uh, that are close to her in the process. So like, again, some anxiety is warranted, but like, why does every single scene have to feel that way? Including when she's like, at her child's preschool class or like hanging out with other moms in the suburbs. Like it just all feels the same level of danger. The the same level. Like she's been asked to stay at preschool because her son is having trouble adjusting. And she's like, Oh, uh, Oh, uh, 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 sure. Uh, okay. With like a look of despair filling her face. And you're like, what? And maybe this is where, we're getting to one of the, at least this far, kind of submerged themes of the show, which is, is Billy just experiencing postpartum depression? And I think she is intended to be. Like, she yeah. she very recently had a baby. Um, but it's harder for me to buy this because the baby is never around. Like, well, in no, theory, the she's is... like a full-time mom, but the baby is the not there. Always or... around. The no, baby's no, no, no. always sleeping. No, no, that's not even true. When the baby <laughs> is around, the baby is sleeping. When the baby is not around, where is the baby? Like, it, she's supposed to be like a full-time mom right now. They have a babysitter who's our nanny who seems to show up literally whenever Billy wants without any planning at all. They better pay her a generous retainer. Poor Olga. Like Billy will just be like, can you just like stay through the evening? I, I have something I need to do. I have to go try to like fuck my husband in his car to rekindle the spark. And Olga's like, "Mm -hmm, yes, of course. I don't have a family or anything else to do. I didn't make plans. (laughs) Um, It's just like this baby is like two months old, right? And every baby is different. However, I have never met a two-month-old that could be carted around that much and be that Make silent. No noise. I was no like, I'm noise. concerned if this baby's alive because the baby is just under, is like in darkness, in a carrier, being like carted onto trains yeah. and around New York City and like never waking up. Like that, like- I'm not a parent, but that seems off to me. At one point, she just like spontaneously takes the stroller with the baby into the city from Greenwich with a group of moms, walks the baby all over Manhattan. The baby never seems to wake up or need anything. Then she goes to see her friend at a lecture hall in Columbia and has an emotional conversation with her. At the end of this conversation, she leaves the lecture hall. Where's where's the stroller? Where is it? She didn't take it with her into the lecture hall. Did she leave the stroller with her baby in it outside? Like, there's just like the continuity again the continuity. The continuity is not there. It's like the character development, light touch. It's like she has a doll. Like it's the baby is there to wake up and cry if it is narratively important, like to interrupt her rekindling things with her husband. The baby can wake up and cry. The rest of the time. The baby doesn't need anything. She nurses when she's around and when she feels like it. Not how that works, by the way. Um, When I was nursing a two-month-old, we were basically chained together. 
And if I left him, then pumping had to be done like constantly, like all the time, (laughs) or I would get an infection. Um, I realize these aren't fun details to include in like a Skinamaxi soft core uh, show, but like they made this baby super young and they're not committed and also to seeing central that to why she is sort of having this time to reflect and central to the fact that she feels her life has like suddenly become overtaken by the domestic sphere and it's making her question the choices she made, which is like an old story. And an interesting one, frankly, mm-hmm. but it's just like, again, so lightly explored that we never, it, it really is just used as like a vague vehicle to jump from like intense sex scene to intense sex scene. And I also like, to be clear, neither of us are opposed to just some like really good sex scenes. Like, yeah, right. I, I enjoy them as much as the next desperate mom stuck at home, you know, uh, with sure. her breasts just leaking. <laughs> That's just constantly leaking. I saw someone comment somewhere on Twitter or something that Billy's boobs just like start leaking milk in certain scenes because she's so turned on. That's um, not how I read it. Which isn't how I read it. But like, <laughs> and basically it's what happens when you're breastfeeding a tiny baby and you just like don't for half the day because you decided right. to go somewhere else and forget your breast pump and the milk just like, it keeps coming and that's how you get mastitis. So fun thing for everyone out there who plans to breastfeed in the future to look out for. Um, but apparently I looked this up, oxytocin can trigger letdown. I mean, it does, like that's partly how, how it works with your child. Um, so I guess it's, it's possible oh. that you could just start spraying your husband with milk during sex. If there's enough in there, uh, you know, learn something new every day. Uh, certainly has not happened to me, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not Billy. I mean, Connelly. as her husband says, Billy is the most sexual person he's ever met. And she might be the most sexual person I've ever encountered. She might have no other qualities other than being sexual. The people it's most of what I show, know about her. It's the, like <laughs> the people in the show have like no character de- development, except that we sort of explore and establish how much they want to have sex all the time or don't want to have sex all the time. And also how good they are at it and how not good they are at it. Those are like the That's two the primary the, information, the, the two axes of character development <laughs> on this show. Um, so Cooper, unfortunately, despite having incredibly chiseled body and perfect face and adoring his wife and never having looked at another woman is on the not very good at it and doesn't really want to have it portion of the, of the chart. Uh, whereas Billy is a sex goddess who wants to have it all the time. And somehow they never have discussed this or learned this about come each up other. When they were dating. It's crazy how these are the only character qualities they have. And yet they don't know it about each other. Like what else is there to know? Cooper is changing the world <laughs> through venture capital. He's changing the world through venture capital. <laughs> My bad. Um, and Billy had an interest in music or should I more specifically say like having sex with musicians like that was her her thing was like a brilliant PhD student sure 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 yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. we are told and we'll get more into that yeah um but let's talk let's talk also about Billy's son because we haven't done that yet (laughs) 
she has, I'm sorry to this child actor. It's very hard to play a role like this when you're like four years old. He is so unsettling. Like he speaks in a little monotone and he's always saying things like, look, a mariposa. And it's a butterfly he's caught in a jar. And his mom says, you know, oh, you can't keep her there. She'll die. You have to let her free. And it's like, whoa, is this a metaphor for what his father has done to Billy, caging this beautiful creature in an airtight container that is slowly suffocating her? It really makes you think. I mean, okay. Her son is also looks extremely Aryan and... Frankly, I find this a little bit confusing given that, yes, Cooper is like a straight-laced Connecticut wasp, but like he he doesn't have like bright blonde hair. And Billy, like the actress is Persian. Like, why do they have a child that looks like he could join the Hitler youth? I can't comment on this because my son looks incredibly Aryan and <laughs> Greg and I do not. And I do think a lot of blonde kids grow up to look less blonde. That's Jeans true. are funny that way. That's true. But like also they found, they found the perfectly creepy child actor. How were they going to toss him aside just because he was too blonde? Um, the perfect child to look at her in her like booty dress and be like, you're so beautiful, mommy. You look like a princess, mommy. You look like a princess. All the things that Cooper never says to her anymore. You know, it's heartbreaking. Um, He's like deeply attached to her. There is like a whole scene where his preschool teacher just sort of impromptu insists that she stay for the day um, because he's having trouble adjusting. I do think that there can be that 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 can happen, that there can be not not right now. I'm not even allowed in daycare now, but there can be setups where like, oh, if your child's having trouble adjusting, maybe we'll let you stay for part of the day, um, get him more comfortable with the setting. I was like a little bit, (laughs) I'm saying put off, like she's a real preschool teacher who really did this, but like the way that she's like, just stay for the whole day right now. You're not working right now. Right. And like, first of all, she could have a doctor appointment. Like that was very weird. She doesn't have a job. Also, she literally has an infant with her. If I had a two month old, I'm sorry. I don't want to stay and be a teacher's helper with my infant there all right, day and she in a preschool puts her to class. Work and she's like, "Can you cut up the snack?" Like I just thought the whole thing. But was fortunately, weird. Fortunately, Ellery just sleeps silently in her stroller bassinet for the <laughs> entire nothing. day, which is literally exactly what my two-month-old always used to do. Um, but I get the sense. I do get the sense that his attachment to her is just like manifesting from the fact that he knows that she is very sad and unstable and he needs to keep her around, which is very sad. Um, Maybe I'm giving the show too much credit. credit. Um, But let's talk about Cooper uh, a little bit more. The way that Billy talks about Cooper when she introduces him is, is essentially... He's the love of my life. He's my favorite person ever. I want us to live for a hundred years and die at the exact same moment. And I want our souls to find each other on the other side as soon as possible. So we can fall in love and make more babies. Um, 
I just shouted, I don't believe you at the screen when this happened. Are we supposed to believe this? I mean, they're, I think that they intend to have us believe this, even though there is no evidence presented that suggests this. In fact, it's, it's suggested that like her husband doesn't really understand her, doesn't really know her, that he checks all these boxes, but that she's been like not exposing like a very large part of her personality. Again, frankly, the only thing we know, we know about her as the audience, like she has not shared that with him, which I feel like it's really hard to have like a, I don't know, like a soulmate relationship, which is how she's sort of presenting this with (laughs) someone who, who doesn't know like major things about you and about your dating history and about just like things that it's like, you've been together and married for years and you've kept these things from each other, which suggests to me that like, maybe this isn't your favorite person. He's just now finding out that she likes sex. The thing she likes the most (laughs) in the entire world. Um, yeah, he had no idea. He he only knows you you like that. He only knows because he reads her journal, which is just a random word document, always queued up on her laptop. She doesn't even bother to like close a window. Yeah. We get really deep into the season before (laughs) she's like, I'm going to rename this Thanksgiving recipes and put it in my work folder where you would naturally put a Thanksgiving recipe doc. Nothing suspicious about that, (laughs) but she's like, she doesn't even try at first. Um, so of course he finds it. Um, cause it's like my diary, me, (laughs) I am dissatisfied in my marriage. Like literally (laughs) I'll leave the computer open with the word doc up in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that, that Billy is going through is so funny. It's like, she's, I mean, she's trying to convince herself, I guess, that she's d- still in love with her husband. But the idea, like, how can you even convince yourself? Like, oh, I never want to be apart from him. And then I want to have babies with him again on the other side. When right now in the current moment, you're desperately unhappy. You're screaming at him from the inside of your head that you like need more from him. And you're thinking about your ex. Like, what about that says you're going to be happy with another eight years with him, let alone a hundred plus eternity? It's just, I assume that we're supposed to believe that there is something real there. Um, yes. But, but again, this is where also character clearly development fails us. <laughs> that like, we don't well, really. Right. Because even else- in flashbacks, we don't really get such an indication that like Billy has like shown herself to Cooper and that their connection was born of more than him just being like a good guy who feels safe. And that was comforting. And like, that is a real reason that people end up with people, but I don't know that that's like a recipe for a long lasting, deep, emotionally fulfilling relationship. Well, clearly not right. Like clearly it's not working out. I mean, the the thing is just like that if you have one personality trait and it's having sex and you're not aligned with your husband on that there's nothing left for you to have a bond over so there's no way for us to process that they could could love each other that way um brad on the other hand her ex is 
a different story. They have, we see, we see a lot of bonding with them, mostly over sex, but at least they feel the same way about it. He is basically, she meets him when she and Sasha, her best friend are out kind of like trolling for sex with musicians, which is their hobby. And they're at a venue. Sasha starts hooking up with the act and Billy's like, okay, have fun. She like walks in on them having sex and is like, haha, you two have fun. I'm going to go home. Sasha sends uh, the, the label executive who is like signing this act after her to pit, to take her home safely. Um, Sasha is a thoughtful friend, such a thoughtful friend. And Brad uh, sort of finds her being harassed by an, un, un, an unhoused man <laughs> and is like, go on, get out of here. <laughs> like, gives him some money. I was like, go get some food. And I was like, all right, buddy. Uh, you don't know what this man needs. He needs to harass Billy right now. Um, <laughs> and he, so he rescues her from the situation. He drives her home while she lectures him about how bad for the environment having a car in the city is as if she never takes a cab or an Uber And while he's driving her home, she uses her psychology powers. Uh, She's a brilliant on him. Psych student, Claire. Oh, yeah. She listen. She understands the human mind. She looks she's like, you're wearing all these rings and this leather jacket. You must hate your father. (laughs) And, you, you know, you're trying to to rebel against him through these like. through embracing these like non-standard masculine trappings and he's he gets very quiet and then he's like you want to come back to my place (laughs) and his place is like a mansion in the sky but also it really feels like like a bat cave it's a bat cave he lives fully batman's home like it's fully it's very like he lives in the bat penthouse yeah we never see this penthouse during the day that I can tell, or maybe it just looks so different during the day. I don't think it exists. I think it only emerges <laughs> in the night. There's no, it's very low lighting. It's, there's a lot of empty space and just like large sculptures in this and, apartment. And a chandelier, a giant chandelier. And it's also a concert venue. He's just like, oh yeah, I have a stage. I like to have my bands come and play here sometimes. It's, I'm like, he has a pool, an open air pool on an the roof overlooking Manhattan. Pool. I'm like, this is not normal rich person. In is Manhattan. this amount of money something you can get through through starting your own label at the age of 32 or so, which seems to be about the age he is? He's like 32. He started his own record label. Can you have this much money at that at that point? Like this is like oil chic level to me. Yeah, it did seem. I mean, I I'm sure I'm sure. If you're extremely successful in the music industry, you can get ungodly wealthy, but they really like stretch credulity with this level of wealth. I'm like, again, like, yeah, no, I I don't don't know. know. It really did feel like at at bare minimum, it was like really intense generational wealth. And yeah, it was comical again, like being somewhat familiar with uh, New York real estate. I was just like, this is, this is beyond. Meanwhile, Cooper could never have such a 
opulent apartment because he's one of the good guys and he got into head fund, hedge funds <laughs> saved the world not to make money he just so has, that's why he just has a giant mansion a in, in giant mansion in greenwich that is all white obviously mm-hmm. yeah uh mm-hmm. it's the most again most unsettling lightness that one yeah. could see and this house like it just looks like several mcmansions just taped together <laughs> it's the really the only place that we like see natural light and an interior throughout the, the whole half of the series I've watched and it's it just it creates this strong association between natural light and profound empty sadness yeah, exactly I'm mean, like it's the it, it's the most unsettling natural light I've ever seen it's just like wow if you live in in daylight at all it's probably because you live in like a hollow mansion where no one understands you and you have to just like swan about feeling useless in a really pretty nightgown oh my god i'm so good i tried to do like the shop your tv things to find out where her nightgowns are from and i have to say apparently no one else wants them because they're not included in in any of the roundups i'm shocked actually i know i was like I guess I'm supposed to find her white nightgown depressing, but it's a really nice white nightgown and she I looks really like beautiful in it. Also, Sarah Shahi is just one of the most stunning people I've ever seen. Like she, she was in the L word um, and dated Shane. And I was like very into her in that show. When I, when I went through a real L word phase in college and she comes in, I think in season three and she's just like, very hot and also used, extremely used, beautiful used to doing a lot of uh sex scenes and that comes TV in handy shows, and that really comes in handy also i want to call out the fact that she and that adam demos who play brad are together they're a couple oh well i'm happy for them that they yeah. can be together in i think they life. might have met filming this i mean i could see how when you're just having sex with someone on camera all the time you would be like it's a Maybe great one to have breaker. sex with this person in real life. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's like, if you don't enjoy it, then it's like hor- a horrible experience probably. But if you do, you're like, why not do this? You know, the rest of the time. Sure. Sure. Why not? Um, the, it must've been very similar to that, that plot line in love actually where the, uh, <laughs> the body doubles fall in love while filming while doing lighting that is the best scenes. love story frankly and the, all the, of, the only good the one only non-creepy one yeah. but uh but yeah sarah shahi her face is just like 95 percent cheekbone uh it's i was so jealous brad do we find him attractive like i He's so basically he's got the like sort of rocker chic thing going. He has all the rings. He wears a leather jacket all the time. He's very like skinny and wiry. He has like a mop of highlighted hair and a lot of tattoos. And I'm like, and the way I sort of see it, like he has the like animal magnetism thing going on. He's very like wild and powerful and he always wants to have sex in creative ways. He's extremely confident. Mm -hmm. I I think he's like objectively like everyone on this show, frankly, like very hot. 
I find of the top three, I find him to be the least least. hot one. You think Cooper's hotter? Well, Cooper is like a really handsome dude. Yeah, he is really handsome. And I like, I think that I just kept getting distracted when I'm watching Brad. I think that he needs lip balm. I don't know (laughs) if this is just, I don't know where I'm getting this from, but every time I look at him being really smoldering, you know, and being like, you're the only one who sees below my rock hard shell. Let's bang in a pool. I'm like, your lips look pretty dry, bud. Like you need the Linez <laughs> lip mask that Claire has previously <laughs> recommended on the newsletter. Listen, it works, you know, and it's it worth does. It. I got it and it it actually works. It so we works. should maybe we should send some to Adam Demo. <laughs> I feel like maybe I found his lips him. aren't dry. Maybe maybe it's just the camera. I don't know. I don't know. I found, I found this actor to be hotter in Unreal than in this show. Who does he play in Unreal? He's oh August God. in oh Unreal. Oh He's like God. the crunchy, like hot one that like, I think like everyone has sex with him. Um, okay. The Sherry Appleby character definitely has sex with him. <laughs> she does with everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I can see how I think part of it is the costuming. Like I find it, it's just like a little much for me, like the, the highlighted mane and the, all the rings and stuff. Um, but I think it's also the dry lips and I want him to look into that for, for next season. But uh, the way that their relationship kind of commences is with this, this proposition, he invites her up and then he makes a move while they're in the pool area. And she starts being like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm scared. And he's like, trust me. And she's like, I don't know if I can trust you. And he's like, trust me. I'm paraphrasing. And she's and like, like all right. Okay. And she just like takes all her clothes off and then they like fuck in the pool. Also, I was like, why should anyone be trusting each other? Okay. Yes. I was very upset about this. I was Incredibly like, Incredibly dangerous. Like, oh, lightning is literally striking and we are in an open air pool. An elevated open air pool. Elevated open air pool. Nothing could go wrong. They like look up and they're like, oh, a storm. They're like, let's keep fucking in the water. I was was very upset. I was like, storm is inside and out. It's our passion. And also it's the thunderstorm. He lives in like an all windows loft. Like just just, like take the fucking inside or like at least like on the pool deck. Emma, this is why I moved to New York (laughs) from Indiana to have a big life and somehow never had sex with a record executive on the roof because this is the way I think, you know, I need to be more like Billy. I know. I really found myself just being like, I'm full of shame that (laughs) this wasn't my life in my twenties. I'm like, I went out, but like, she just walks around and it's like, Every man that is extremely rich and powerful that they encounter wants to fuck both her and Sasha, sometimes both of them in the same night. Like, yeah, it's just constant. I'm like, even if I wanted to have that much sex, like it wasn't available to me with like men who are actually attractive (laughs) in in, like such quantities. Absolutely. Same. Also, (laughs) I moved to New York and New York is kind of tiring. So I quickly found that all I had energy to do was like a little light going out on the weekends. I also like didn't have that naps. much money. I didn't have that much money. To, That's why you need to, hot guys to pay for your drinks. I I know. Oh, God. Yeah, we did it all wrong. Yeah. But um, the thing that Billy did really with, with Brad was she negged him. Like 
though he 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 invites her up and he's like I want to do be different with you than I am normally I want to open up to you because you're the one who sees me you knew exactly like who I was right away and I was like buddy that's like a pickup line like she was like oh you're damaged right I can tell you're damaged from your childhood like look at you with your telltale leather jacket and rings like daddy issues much like that is like such a fucking like pickup line and he completely fell for it it is like and we're supposed to see it as them sort of having this mystical electric literally electric chemistry because there is lightning but I'm like neither of you really have a reason to trust each other in fact both of you are probably like fundamentally untrustworthy people And also, why do they need to trust each other? Like, she's out here having sex with whoever, which is her perfectly fine choice. All of a sudden, she's like, I don't I don't know if I trust you yet. You know, have sex with a guy. He's hot. You don't have sex with each other in a pool. Do it. You know what's going on here? That's so true. Um, You're like, unless you're talking about like, do I trust you to not like inflict physical violence (laughs) on me, which is, again, sort of what the score suggests but like, isn't where this is going again. The tone is very confusing. Oh, it's a very weird show. Should Uh, we talk about Sasha a little bit more? Yes. Sasha Snow. They have the- What a name. Corniest names. Billy's name is like Billy Man. You know what? Cooper Connolly. I appreciate that. I'm so down for campy, porny names. That's great. Oh my God. Sasha is her- best friend they were like swim single phd candidates together in the city at columbia they have so much time and energy as phd candidates this is what i understand about phd programs is you do a little bit of work here and there where you can fit it in around your busy schedule of fucking rock stars and staying up all night drinking tequila shots and swapping partners with your bestie um sasha is still single still very like much in that lifestyle and she is black like she is like and I want to bring that up because I think that the the character ends up falling into some classic kind of troubling archetype sidekick side like the the sort of sassy black friend who is always looking out for Billy's best interests and telling it like it is um and not really being given her own real motivations or needs um but she's just to counter this they just try to make her really impressive like oh she's she's the professor of psychology at columbia which again how like literally every night she's going out and partying all night and i don't know what people think it is that professors do but it's like kind of a lot of work especially if you're going to be a black woman professor and like get tenure at columbia like there's no fucking around here like it's it's you have to really work incredibly hard on like publishing and teaching anyway this Look, is the they, fantasy uh, they're no all, both just that. like publishing all the time from what I can gather yeah well they're writing term <laughs> papers <laughs> uh, sorry yeah. sorry it's Billy is is getting published in psychology today excuse oh my me God. <laughs> psychology today um yeah so like what do we think about about Sasha's character I what mean, do you think about her? She's arguably like the best person on mm. the show. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of competition there. Yeah. Not a lot of competition. I mean, 
she's Again, gorgeous. She's, she's stunning likes- and has a lot of hot, great sex, which mm-hmm. love that for her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, she does primarily exist to support Billy. Uh, and Billy is not like such a great friend to her. And I think that there is something that's hinted at here, which we like discussed a bit before we were taping, which is that sort of like the, the strain that would naturally crop up in a friendship where you've like formed this friendship when you're really on like very parallel life tracks, they're living together, they're going out together, they're in the same PhD program. And then all of a sudden Billy kind of takes a turn and her life goes a very different direction. She drops out of the program. She gets married. She has two babies. She moves to Connecticut. And Sasha is just sort of like, it it would be very um, normal for Sasha to feel abandonment or resentment or for them to sort of like resent each other in having each sort of having things perhaps that the other doesn't understand or like wants or doesn't want. But again, this is because there's no character development. None of these like themes that would be really interesting are explored. They're just sort of like sitting there. Yeah. And the thing that's actually explored is that like Sasha has unbeknownst to Billy struck up a consistent, but casual sexual relationship with Brad, like her big ex. Yeah, and the Which way that this comes out weird. is that Connor finds, sorry, Cooper, it's Cooper Connolly, which like made me insane. Her husband, <laughs> Cooper, finds Billy's diary, reads it, and then like rage fucks her against the kitchen counter while shouting, you're mine, you're all mine. Okay, he's like snarling. I found this like very frightening. And so she freaks out she gets Olga to come over and she just runs into the city like gets a train dashes to Sasha's apartment and then she like finds them post-coital and and she hasn't seen Brad in eight years yeah and the way that she then sees him is in a context where it's clear that he's been having sex with her best friend um so this becomes kind of the this is kind of the the event that catalyzes a lot of the action. Like this is how Cooper sort of starts being involved. This is how Sasha and Brad become ensnarled. Like before it was just kind of like Billy fantasizing about her memories. And now it's really about Cooper trying to deal with what he knows. It's about Sasha and, and Brad having this entanglement and Billy's feelings about it. And Brad's feelings about it because when Brad sees Billy what do you know he's still in love with her after all these years he's never stopped thinking about her he feels so bad that he broke her heart 57 times including the last time and he can tell she's just not happy with her husband and so he wants back in yeah and that is sort of the plot of what I can gather the the rest of the season is yeah. Um, and so there, there's some weirdness with Sasha, obviously, like Billy is angry initially. And then Sasha's like, oh, well, like it just happened. And you guys broke up so long ago. I thought you were blissfully happy with your husband and children. It just also seems like maybe something that like, again, if it 
is your best friend and this is happening more than once, maybe you should just like tell your friend. Nah, no one talks in this show. Like no one talks to each other. When Sasha and Billy do talk, it's literally to just be like, remember that ex that used to strangle you during sex? Oh yeah. That was so hot. I'm dating a guy who's doing that to me now. Whoa. Love that for you. Like there's nothing ever revealed beyond like purient, sexual, like encounter information. And, but also Sasha seems to essentially be Billy's only friend and like the only person who knows her in a real way. Other than perhaps Brad, who she hasn't seen in a decade. Yeah. And does Sasha even know her in a real way? Because at this point, Sasha's saying, I thought you were blissfully happy with your marriage and your children in Connecticut. And Billy is extremely not blissfully happy. So apparently she hasn't really been confiding in Sasha until this this point in the situation. Um, But then it, it does turn into this this dynamic where Billy just will call Sasha to vent about how depressed she is and how she can't stop thinking about Brad and how her marriage is fucked because Cooper found out about her journal. And what is Sasha getting out of this? Like, do we ever see Billy engage with Sasha's needs or feelings? No, she does, mostly does just like, have any like barges into Sasha's space in a panic disrupts her life. And then Sasha is like a good friend it's really not an equal relationship uh and (laughs) yeah well you know when you're single when you're single you have time all the time a great friend to just dedicate all of your emotional well-being to (laughs) someone else because she has a real life with a husband and children oh jesus it's it's bad um so we do learn uh, more about the past that that Billy has with both Cooper and Brad. Um, we find out that Billy moved to New York from Georgia, hoping for a big life with more in it than just, you know, marriage, mostly just like going out at 2 a.m. to concerts and, and hooking up. Um, she says she had a hope chest as a girl in, in Georgia that was full of embroidery. Do people still do this? I, I don't know. She, I, remember I mean, she also was like historical, of course, fiction. homecoming queen and <sighs> cheerleader. Of yes, course. Of course. But she, she didn't fit that mold. She's different. She's not like the other girls. Um, and Cooper's like, well, me, I'm not like the other investment bankers. <laughs> I want to invest money in curing cancer or other ways of changing the world and people like Elon Musk, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, all of the greatest people who have changed the world in the best possible ways. <laughs> they didn't just want money. They just got money as a reward for being right about everything, which Look, I think is how we would you're, you're all agree <laughs> to describe Henry Ford and Elon Musk. <laughs> Pure good. Extremely Pure good, good people. Just benevolent philanthropists, really. Yeah. So they have this meet cute on the quad. He asks for directions from her because he thinks she's cute. They have this date, which is really the only time we see them have a pleasant conversation. Yeah. And like, I enjoyed that flashback. I was like, oh, this is cute. Yeah. It lasted <laughs> very briefly. 
look at them talking about something other than how much they secretly hate each other. Um, but, you know, things have, have gotten routine. They've fallen into a rut. And now that Brett, that now that Cooper knows this, he's going to spice things up by literally trying to recreate things that Billy did with Brad that he reads about in the journal. I was like, Cooper, maybe you could have a conversation with your wife, Billy. Maybe you could have a conversation with your husband. There are all these points where she's like, I'm screaming at him from inside my head. Like, girl, use your mouth. Like, I I think we see like once in the first episode, she like tries to talk to him and he just kind of won't talk to her. But like, she doesn't really try again. She tries once. They're like, they're literally married. Like who among us has, has tried once or twice to have a conversation and it wasn't a good time or they weren't really hearing it. And you have to get a little more serious. Yeah. You need to, you need to do it. Like both of them, they should be talking to each other about this. And like, look, there is a real conversation to be had in a lot of long-term relationships about like sex life and, you know, livening things up and like people's like sexual needs that don't always, that don't always line up. Um, you know, like that is again, like a common theme that is based in reality that could have been explored, but instead Cooper's like, my wife is voracious. No one could ever (laughs) satisfy her except for Brad. And so I need to like start stalking Brad and also copying his sexual moves. Yeah. He's like, will someone please help me with my nympho wife? Like, what am I to do? He's like, I guess I'll read her journal and then try to do the literal same thing. So he literally takes her out on a surprise date to see broken social scene <laughs> to which she wears like a an designer insane, gown and like an insane leather dress. There's a lot of glitter also. Yeah. The, I was like, I remember going to like broken social scene shows and the dress code was skinny jeans, but I'm glad <laughs> they've classed it up in recent years. And then he dances with her at the show and she's like, Oh, he's trying so hard. This is so great. And then on the way home, he stops at a mansion that isn't theirs takes her to the pool and is like, we're going to fuck in this pool. And she's like, okay. I mean, she's like, no. And he's like, yes, we're going to do it. And she's like, all right then. Sure. And then lo and behold, the guy who owns the mansion, who is one of Cooper's clients is unexpectedly home. And they end up in a high speed police chase trying but the, to but escape. it ends up fine it, it ends, ends up, up fine. fine the police give Cooper up. does it's... Cooper does some evasive Italian job style maneuvering yeah it was like wow these skills are transferable you could really get into the heist <laughs> business um I just can't I can't believe that they get into a high-speed chase with police and it barely registers as being a plot point there are no waves are made by this not at all something that happens on the way home and uh billy's thrilled though she's like this journal was an instruction manual for him and he's just like a real instruction following kind of dude again he's a good student tell him yeah she's like why didn't you just tell him why not to be one of those annoying people who's like you should communicate with your partner but like you should communicate with your partner um and and yet at the same time, of course, Cooper is having other feelings 
aside from wanting to recreate these fantasies. It's making him both turned on. We see him like jerking off to her journal. We also see him puking because it makes him so upset. He is both trying to please her by recreating some of these scenes. And also he's being emotionally cold and withdrawing from her. This is a reaction that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I think that Billy's like, then he fucked me and everything's fine now. And I fixed my marriage by doing this. She and Sasha are like, we're going to write a book about how women can get hotter sex from their husbands by doing this. And surprise, surprise, he's actually also still emotionally hurt and upset. Who could have, who could have dreamed that there would be uh, negative effects as well? Not I, I don't know. Their marriage seems perfect. He's her favorite person. (laughs) So what could go wrong? Um, I'm glad that he doesn't try to recreate the subway sex because I don't think they would have survived. Cooper is pretty incompetent at doing impossible sexual feats, which is humiliating for him. But this is the second time that Brad and Billy hook up. He comes to find her where she's teaching at Columbia and she's giving a stirring, insightful lecture about how animals may not be sexually monogamous, but are we animals? Ladies and gentlemen of the class, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think this psychological uh, text is wrong about monogamy. breaking. (laughs) Yeah. She's a genius. I mean, she should have finished her PhD. And so he basically stalks into her class and like sits at the front um, so that he Again, can confront her. Too menacing music. <laughs> it's like you're being stalked, yeah. <laughs> um, but in a sexy way. And There's all, actually a lot of stalking in this show, and it's all sexy. It's all sexy. I never realized how sexy stalking was. <laughs> he comes up to her afterwards and is like, "Women never leave my apartment, but you did." And she's like, "This sex we had was so hot." It can't last. Let's just skip all the heartbreak. And he's like, no, I refuse to skip all the heartbreak. I insist on breaking your heart. That's what I want. And he's like, so I'm going to drag you into the depths (laughs) of the subway subway. and fuck you next to the third rail while a train rushes by and we almost die. And then you'll be with me. And And it works. And it works. He literally, I almost passed out watching this scene. I'm so afraid of getting hit by a subway train. He sort of emotionally coerces Billy into getting onto the tracks with him and then says there's seven minutes until the train comes. Ha ha, just kidding. I was guessing. And then he yanks her as the train is mere feet from them. He yanks her into one of the little alcoves for, for workers to you know, hide in when the trains come past while they're working on the tracks. And, uh, and then he like finger bangs her. I don't know. It's, I mean, that's just like weaponized trauma bonding. He's seriously just like, it's such a manipulative thing to do. It's like, how could she not be turned on and bonded to him by going through this traumatic and then very arousing experience with him. And, uh, I'm super glad that Cooper did not kill them by doing that. Um, But she's basically like, she just mounts him. She's like, oh my God, a train went by. It's time for me to extract your seed. Um, That's how, that's how the female brain works. (sighs) 
I, I wish that I could have enjoyed some of these scenes more, but they were just too stressful. <laughs> they were very stressful. I mean, some of it was also hot. Like, again, I could see just like pulling a clip in isolation, maybe change the music. Someone needs to do like, <laughs> the music is so <laughs> terrifying. And sometimes when they're having sex under like blue and red lights, like why not a different lighting scheme? It's hard for me not I can't even to think see. that an ambulance is coming. And it's hard to even like see their bodies. You're like, mm-hmm. the point is that this is like basically porn. Like, yeah, the, the best, the best ones are the flashbacks from when they're like on a tropical vacation together. And there's actually some fucking sunlight. Except that. Okay. When that flashback, there's also like weird camera, like movements that make it seem like hazy and I can't take it seriously. I'm like, this isn't even hot. (laughs) This is bizarre. I think the part of the problem with making these kinds of shows, to be honest, is that what people want out of porn (laughs) is sort of like, you know, people have their own personal little tastes and predilections. I'm sure there are people who watch this and are like, I love how stressful and edgy and dark this is. I, that's what makes it, you know, arousing. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily fall into that category, but uh, it's hard to make a, a soft core show that is going to appeal to please everyone. everyone you, you, know? you can't please everyone with your soft core. So speaking of the most porny part, the full frontal male nudity <laughs> that we alluded to at the beginning of the show. I mean, look, I always appreciate when it's not just like women's nipples taking center stage like there are a lot of women's nipples there are a lot of women's nipples um but we don't like see vaginas vulvas sorry Mm -hmm. vulvas to be specific we don't really um but we do see brad's penis and in the context, actually, not of a sex scene, but of him of being stalked him by being Cooper, stalked. Cooper decides to confront him. And instead, he just ends up chickening out and following him all around the city and into Cooper's fancy gym. He works out watching, watching or into Brad's fancy gym. He works out watching Brad. Then they, they go into the shower at the same time and you see Brad slowly turn and his dick is just it's just like swinging like a clock pendulum like the biggest fleshiest (laughs) grandfather clock pendulum i've ever seen like a tube sock full of beans or something i don't even know what to call it it's upsetting i guess like normalize seeing a variety of penises that could be a good thing i don't know if you've seen zola claire no but there is an extended sequence um, where they're they are uh, doing sex work and there are a series of clients coming through all male. Mm. And we again, we don't even really like see much like we I don't even think in the movie you see like women's nipples, but it's just a series of penises that look many different ways and all I could think was wow the male body isn't as beautiful as the oh, wow <laughs> I mean the, the female body point, has been so yeah, eroticized and right. aestheticized right but uh my point was there is something sort of 
neat about like having that like equal objectification and also like the ability to like use men's bodies and as tools for storytelling in the same Absolutely. way that, that women's I, have been. And I love how much male nudity, not even just full frontal, but there is a lot of male nudity in the show. It's not just Billy's boobs. There's a lot of male butt and, yeah. you know, and, the- and like, just conceptually, I appreciate that. Right. This scene was However, startling. However, execution was... <laughs> well, so here's the thing. This is part of a whole little uh, mini arc about how Cooper feels emasculated in comparison to Brad and his, like, big dick swinging energy. You know, it starts with him at the office researching Brad, um, finding images of him like looking sexy on the cover of Rolling Stone and Time Out New York and with hip hop artists and rock stars. And then he was like glancing at his like cheery family photos on his desk. Like, oh, I'm just like some cuck with a family. And this guy's out here in his leather jacket next and to then, Jay-Z. And then it's all confirmed to him because he's like, I, my penis isn't as big and thus right. I can never be good at sex. Right. Because then, yeah, the, that scene is just like a classic, like it's very important to have a huge dick like this dude. I scene. think it would have been much better <laughs> if it led to some, to like the two of them hooking up. I mean, if you're going to do a show this porny, that's I what really I mean. Like, like why not go there? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know. It, it sort of reminded me, have you seen elite? The Spanish um, sexy teen murder soap opera on on Netflix also. It's like very sexy. They're all just kind of fucking each other. And there's a lot of like queer sex in addition to heterosex on it. And there are several like erotic gym shower scenes mm. between men in that it's a show. Very queer with space. The, yeah, with that like. And w- including with like male full frontal. And I just think. Missed opportunity. I just think that it's a missed opportunity. This show is so heterosexual. It is. Aggressively profoundly so. Profoundly. He- like, and I think that that's not just through the fact that there aren't queer characters, t- to my knowledge, to-, to any evidence, but but that it's so invested in these very classic uh, heteronormative uh, conceptions of what love and sex look like, which is like a really beautiful, tiny woman and like with a lot of hair <laughs> and, and like a really who, cut man who's super manly who and successful, her. who stalks her and then like throws her up against a wall and has sex with her. And anything that that deviates from that extreme masculinity and femininity is is not really part of the picture like it's like how do we do sexy we just go right to the basics of heterosexual norms and brad is like the you know for all of the oh you're rebelling against your dad by wearing rings like he is like a very classic there is manly dude really he, no challenging successful of, wealthy huge dick yeah. like hot women want him like okay like he's and so also, he's so rebellious against the macho norm really don't have much emotional range beyond anger yeah th- there's a scene where brad who has a tense relationship with his 
family. He, his father, his biological father left the family when he was eight years old and never sent any birthday cards, but did send a lot of records. So I guess he was in touch. Uh, I was a little bit confused about that part. He's like, my dad shaped my taste in music by sending me records, but he wasn't a part of my life at all. We, you know, basically fell off the face of the earth. Um, so he's not involved with his father. His stepfather is emotionally at least abusive. We see him introduce Billy to his mom, who he loves, but then his stepfather shows up and just starts taunting him about what a bad dude he is and how he will like use women and then throw them aside. And he's like, Billy, he's going to do it to you. And Brad throws a glass of liquor at him and it smashes on the wall. And then lashes out at Billy. Mm hmm. And is like, the reason that you're such a slut is that your father didn't love you enough. And she's yeah. like, excuse me, I'm much better at psychology than you are. So <laughs> please kindly step off my turf. I will do all of the overreading of uh, behavioral cues in this relationship. And, but yeah, a uh, lot of anger, a lot of male <laughs> anger. anger. Yeah, even Cooper is like his whole thing is he's incredibly bland. All he wants to do is like go to work and save the world and then come home and watch the game without his wife trying to like have sex with him and block his view until this all happens. And then he becomes filled with sudden rage, rage, pure rage. That's how you know they're men. They're full of rage. Uh, What are you going to do? Whereas Billy is not angry you know, and neither really is Sasha ever. Like the women are uh, sad or concerned or desperate, um, heartbroken, sassy sometimes on Sasha's part, but they don't have, they're not motivated by anger and they never really show anger. I think, yeah, a little bit, maybe in some of her fights in the flashbacks with Brad, we see Billy respond with anger but only in kind right and it really doesn't seem like anger so much as like a classic like I'm not mad I'm disappointed like it's always like you're doing just what your stepfather said you're pushing me away yeah and like you've already lost me you know she's not like angry she is loudly disappointed and heartbroken (laughs) in his direction (laughs) um so the they you know they're having this kind of dance where Brad is trying to get Billy interested again. So is Cooper and Sasha is just unfortunately turning into just a pawn really of Brad and Billy and this little dance they're doing. So Brad goes to see Sasha who doesn't want to hook up with him anymore because she knows it upsets Billy. Um, Although Billy has said, no, it's okay. Like I shouldn't care because I'm married now. It's clear that Billy cares and doesn't want her to do it. So Brad goes over and with his magic finger immediately convinces Sasha to cave and hook up with him again. He literally will just like grab her, her vagina and just like, and she's just like, oh, okay, like, sure. <laughs> and then he, so he FaceTimes Billy and is like, oh, if you're so cool with things, let's see if you can watch this. 
Right, and so then he basically he, secretly films Sasha while they're having sex in order to fuck with Billy. And Billy he ends even up watching film her. it. He's live streaming it. Sorry, live Sasha's streaming. Best yes, friend. live live filming. Yeah. It's just a very and Billy up watches thing to do Billy without watches someone's consent. Billy watches and masturbates to it, which is also a very fucked up thing to do to your best friend without she her at, consent. She at least like low key seems to realize that it's fucked up afterwards. Afterwards, afterwards, it doesn't stop her from doing it. Please, it's just incredible. Like poor Sasha is here thinking she's just hooking up with a guy who thinks she's hot, and actually she's like a tool in his sexual manipulation of her best friend, which her best friend is complicit in. And meanwhile, all, all she ever does is try to save Billy from the consequences of her own mistakes. Like she's like either being like sexually toyed with on Billy's behalf, or she's swooping in to be like, Billy, this guy's bad news. Remember how he broke your heart? Like, remember your wonderful husband, like, don't do this. What is Sasha getting out of all of this? Nothing. She just has to be around. But then when, when Billy does confess to, to Sasha, cause she does actually, thank God, feel bad. She's like tearful. So I was just like, ah, cool. I hope my ass looked hot. You know, like, that's amazing. That's great. And then she turns around and says, you know, I'm not your sexual avatar for an obsession that's going to destroy you. But she literally was. And she was okay with it. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, they're giving her these, like, empowerment lines as if to be like, don't worry. She's not just this, you know, passive a uh, friend that would be problematic. She 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 has her own mind. She has a will of her own, but her behavior contradicts that. Yes, oh, I don't know. God. I found that so frustrating that they literally like. I was like, you. Sorry, I'm like this character really frustrates me because they seem so determined to make her bulletproof to the like the critique that she's just like a standard issue, supportive black best friend who does whatever the white or, you know, white presenting main character needs and is supportive and exists for them. They're trying to counter that by giving her these little like empowerment lines, but her behavior is still the same as one of those characters. Right. She still seems sort of flattened by Billy's needs and like that is like the central motivation mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. it's like sure she has this whole full life but we don't really get to see it like it's implied right. that it exists right I mean what is this going to make people think that life as a psychology professor at Columbia is like like people are going to be lining up to move <laughs> to, to various psychology grad programs around the country and then they're going to get there and be like I don't have time to be like involved in some sort of sexual mind game with a record executive and a hot, you know, married housewife while also just trolling the clubs for, for guitarists well, Claire, to hook up this with is every night. Basically a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's my expectation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So is there anything uh, big that we're, that we're missing from this first half of the season, I, I think a small, a smaller thing, but that I think might 
continue to come up as the show goes on is the way that other moms in Greenwich are depicted. Um, yes. Yeah. So because Billy is sort of like the mom who doesn't fit in, like the mom life doesn't satisfy her. She's got too much appetite and too much need. And, uh, and all these other women have no needs, no, and no appetites, except for the occasional cupcake, which they don't realize has gone out of fashion many moons ago <laughs> and also apparently they're basic they're chuggy they're <laughs> so like, chuggy so so chuggy like they're dressed in a way that's just like clearly signaling like these women are uncool and know nothing and have again no interesting interior conflicts they are just like out here trying to go to the city to procure cupcakes yeah, Which, like, I'll- you can do in Connecticut. I think, I don't think you have to go to New York City to get cupcakes anymore. But, but that's what makes it fun, you know? That's, it's like, we're playing hooky. We're going to the city in our, in our little cardigan sweater sets with bows at the neck and, and our little. And Blair Waldorf knee skirts, Blair Waldorf headbands. It's such a classic type. And there was a time when I think I enjoyed this kind of depiction uh, because there, and, you know, I think that for a lot of women who think of themselves as like Billy, like, Oh, I'm not like other women. I want more from life. I'm not going to be satisfied with being a housewife. Um, There can end up being sort of a superiority complex about being different. And I think that, you know, there can be value in pushing back on like the primacy of fitting into that feminine mold of the, the feminine housewife who wears skirts and is, uh, you know, always making right. and, elaborate and homemade very white and very wealthy mm-hmm. and out of touch. And again, there is like skewering that should be allowed in that, but like Billy treats these women terribly. Like shit. <laughs> and it becomes, I think just such a, such a trope. Like it's become such yeah. a trope to me, the, the perky, endlessly satisfied, wealthy, white, groomed housewife who has no interesting thoughts or feelings, who's never really had an identity other than being a mom uh, to a, a perfectly dressed toddler and a wife to, to a banker. And then there is the main character mom who has basically all the same stuff, like has the wealthy husband, has the cute kids, and yet is better and different because they don't want to wear a sweater set. And it's such just a, a shallow read to me on, on the dynamic at play and on, you know, the ways that women are allowed to exist in the world and are pressured to exist in the world. Um, which is like, they're the, the good, interesting women and the bad, one, the bad ones right. who I, are naturally just feminine and, and that's bad. Yeah. It just, it felt very, very tropey. And this is a trope again, that I like am able to enjoy sometimes if it's done well, but it's just so shallow that it you feel like you're watching a trope, not real people. And it bothered mm-hmm. me that she seemed to feel she could just like go out with these women, dump a bunch of like intense emotions on them when they have no real, real relationship and then just like ditch them. Yeah. They go it's get cupcakes very rude. at a, at a cupcake shop 
that is in the same like retail space where there used to be a tattoo parlor. And in this tattoo parlor, Brad got a tattoo of two bees uh, on his pelvis. And that symbolized them, the two bees, Brad and Billy. And then he like got her off on the tattoo table while the artist, I guess, tactfully removed himself because he knows that you know, after you get a tattoo, you like to have sex in, in the tattoo <laughs> yeah, it's parlor. it's very sanitary. <laughs> it's very sanitary. Um, and so she just like burst into tears and is like, cupcakes? Really? Like my ex used to live here and also, I think about I'm him like, all the Billy, time. And I'm like, these poor women, like you're basically are like, you, you and your to... stupid cupcakes are ruining my also, life. Also, are you new to gentrification in yes. Soho? Like... <sighs> Come on. I know. She's like, Soho was perfect when it was exactly gentrified to the degree that was good for me. And now it's bad because the process continued. Um, yeah. So the other moms, I don't, I'm I'm curious to see. I think that there are some hints that that they're going to become a, a bigger part of her life and that she might learn to see more in them. We'll see. I hope so. Um by the way, uh, Cooper does eventually confront Brad uh, after peeping on him in the gym. On a later date, he he bursts into Brad's office and is just like, stay the fuck away from my wife and and fixes everything. So the show's over now. <laughs> yeah, it's done. It's Yay. Done. Uh, any positives uh, from this first half of the sex life season? Um, they're all hot. To me, that mm-hmm. is a positive if you're going for like softcore porn. Mm-hmm. I like to watch hot people have sex. It's kind of, yeah, that's cool. The nightgowns. Um, the, again, great. I love the nightgowns. And some good like nightlife outfits that maybe be mm-hmm. like, ooh, going out where can be cool. Like I want that dress. That is really sexy. Um, yeah, some good fashion. Um, um <laughs> like, uh. I do, I do not hate in a way, like there are moments when it would just segue into sex and I would kind of roll my eyes and be like, oh my God, I can't believe there's more sex right now. Like there, there doesn't need to be sex right now. Could they do something with some character exposition instead? But at the same time, you know, it is what it is. I'm not mad at the idea of a light on plot sort of soft core show and one that is specifically focused on female pleasure and and know, a mom like yeah, someone who mom. isn't normally seen as sexual right an incredibly like, think, hot mom no a mom yeah but I think in concept that's an important and cool thing and it doesn't have to be so deep it can just be sexy that is like a fine thing and I have no objection to it existing yeah and I like sure I like the idea of of treating uh, a young, uh, a new, newish mom or second time new mom's uh, sex need, sexual needs as erotic and, and not like kind of a sad, desperate thing. Um, but it, it's so dark. Like it really just made me it's feel like handed. if I want to continue having a sex life after a second kid, like everyone might get murdered. Like those things kind of go hand <laughs> in hand. Um, I'd like to think that there might be something fun in my future, um, but that's not what sex life is about. Sex life is about how the fun stuff is in the past, and now you're miserable because you have children. Desperately try to reclaim it forever. Um, I mean, I hope that it's heading towards uh, a potential vision where, like, 
you could both have some sexy satisfaction in the present and also because it because it's clear that she like it's not really suggested which I liked that she like hates being a mother it's that she like hates it's that she's unsatisfied Mm -hmm. with the trappings and and dissatisfied with the idea that like this one aspect of her life should fully fulfill her you know she's also like largely left the professional sphere and I think that those again are real things and like expectations that are often pushed upon women and specifically women Mm -hmm. who want to become mothers that like, Oh, if you have a desire to have a kid, then like, that's probably the only thing you desire and everything else that you used to be should just be like washed over and erased. And again, like these are themes that are real and are interesting. And I always am happy to see them explored. It's very real. And there are moments when I thought that it, it was captured in a way that feels real to me, that feels resonant. You know, there are times when she, well, there's one scene where she's remembering having a newborn and she's always up with the baby. She falls asleep, standing up, washing her hair and the baby's outside in a bouncer. I've been there, but the baby is still only like two months old and suddenly seems to have no needs at all. (laughs) So I was like pretty confused by that. She's like, Oh, when you have a newborn, it's so hard. And then they turn two months old and suddenly they're never around. (laughs) Um, the baby's never in a bouncer anywhere anymore. She's always just like typing away on her laptop or watching sex videos with Brad and the baby is not there. Where's the baby? Um, but I did appreciate that she kind of touches in this scene on like how you're in this newborn cocoon. And then, you know, you have all this love for this person, but you, there's a version of yourself that, that doesn't fit with the version that has been forged in like the, the, the heat of motherhood, new motherhood. And there's a rediscovery that has to happen of that other self. Um, But like what she misses is really just like partying and sex. Like she doesn't really seem to miss work and she doesn't really seem to miss. Again, I think it's it's suggested, but it's not shown. Well, it's like almost like they have to say that, you know, it's not convincing. She never thinks about work. And the other thing is that it's sort of insisted upon that she loves her kids. I mean, I'm sure she loves her kids. She's, you know, she's fictional, but like she loves her kids, but it's sort of insisted on that she loves being a mom. But whenever we do see her with her kids, she's kind to them, but she never seems happy to be there. You know, she's always being interrupted thinking about getting railed by Brad, by her son. (laughs) And then she has to like basically gather herself and like force herself to behave lovingly to him not necessarily because she doesn't love him but like clearly she never she isn't enjoying talking to him at that point she wants to be thinking about getting railed by brad and that i didn't i mean and this is where i started to think is this really a show about postpartum depression is she just like deeply depressed and if so i don't know that that's the sexiest aspect of of motherhood to turn into an erotic uh, drama. Um, I mean, I'm not even sure that they've like figured out what her motivations are. I, really I think don't they think were they like, have either. here are some vague themes that are rooted in reality. And the, the focus is like a lot of sex scenes and they're just like, let's shoehorn 
some plot in and some some vague motivations and yeah. like whatever they'll figure it out like sure and if there's railed a- by brad in a pool <laughs> while lightning storm happens and if there are moms out there who have the energy and the time to have a two-month-old and to be awake at night while the baby is sleeping drinking vodka and journaling about sex they used to have if they if there are moms out there like that i'm glad that they're being represented in this show everyone should have that and I wish that my experience of having a two month old were more similar to that because I'm pretty sure until he was like four months old, I literally just went to sleep when he went to sleep all the time. Like I was basically never awake when he was asleep because I was so tired, but uh, Billy cares more about sex than, than I do or anyone else in the world. So (laughs) I really don't know. I don't know what else to say. The I feel show like was, you know, bananas. What? it's bananas at the same time. I'm really glad to have watched it to be, to still have a couple episodes left. I it's bonkers and like, it's really fun to talk about. So I am happy that I saw it. Yeah. I hope that this makes sense to, to you guys. It's hard for me to be coherent talking about this because when I well, try the show to think is about not it, coherent. my brain dissolves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but don't worry, we will be discussing the second half. So mm-hmm. you have time to catch up. We can't wait to doing, find out what happens yeah, at the end. Can't wait to find out. We will be doing a second recap of the second half, which will come out um, in a week. And yeah, I think this is a great place for us to for us to wrap up this first discussion about Billy and Co. Emma, thank you for watching Sex Life with me. It makes me feel like we're Sasha and Billy and we're just two cool New York just metro getting area constantly artists. railed. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I'm just glad that you allowed me to witness you witnessing Brad's penis. So I think that really brought us together. I agree. I agree. It does. I, you know, it's something that I think Sasha and Billy would have done together and that makes me happy. (laughs) So that's it for this episode of rich text. You can of course find us on Substack at claraandemma.substack.com. You can find our other podcast. Love to see it with Emma and Clara, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and on Stitcher. And uh, we will be back next week.